Hi, welcome to the Osteopathic Center's podcast. I'm Dr. Christopher Goddard, the founder of the Osteopathic Center, and today I have Dr. Morse as well as Dr. Kosobevsky with us. And we're going to be talking today about a few injuries and how we each have trained and treated these differently. And that way you can get a good idea of you know what to expect when you come to our clinic. Now, the first area we're going to start with is going to be the shoulder. Um, shoulder pain is very, very common in, in life as well as just sports injuries. And we're really going to specify and kind of focus on two types of injuries, um, the labrum as well as rotator cuff injuries. Then we're going to move to the knee and talk about uh, meniscus injuries and pain as well as patella tendon pain and injury. And then we're going to move to the ankle and talk about plantar fasciitis and also Achilles tendon injuries. We're just going to go through each of these, kind of talk about a little bit about what you feel, but more we're going to go into, you know, what kind of treatments have we done for these? And it's kind of all kind of be a, a little bit of a, a background uh, on what we do. Um, just to give a short bio for me, you know, I, I uh, got into regenerative medicine um, and I've been doing it for over 10 years now. And that, that includes prolotherapy, uh, platelet-rich plasma injections, bone marrow um, extraction and injection, adipose extraction and injection, amniotic uh, fluid and tissue, um, umbilical, technically Wharton jelly, and exosomes. And also a little less known stuff in the integrated world, but ozone injections um, as well. So I'm just going to let Dr. Morse give a little background on him and we'll keep going. So I'm Dr. Jesse Morse. I am a originally family medicine and then did a sports medicine fellowship training. I, uh, after uh, graduating from fellowship, I uh, went into an orthopedic clinic and was doing traditional orthopedics for a couple of years and then uh, came here after and, and kind of focused on non-surgical orthopedics and regenerative medicine as well. I'm Dr. Ben Kosobevsky, so I'm family medicine trained, but my story is a little different in that I actually started learning osteopathic manipulation when I was around 11 years old from my dad, who practices up north in New Jersey. And then I've been doing that for a very long time, and about three years ago, I started getting trained in the regenerative side of injections, prolotherapy, PRP, uh, the stem cells, and all the stuff that Dr. Goddard just mentioned by Dr. Goddard about three years ago. Great. So as you can see, um, the goal here is, is to just put minds together and try to treat people the absolute best possible way using non-surgical treatments. Um, so, you know, I'll start, I'll start things. We'll talk about uh, rotator cuff tears. You know, obviously sports, you know, injure these quite a bit. Usually overhead activities are where we really injure our, our rotator cuffs. But, you know, the most commonly injured tendon in the rotator cuff is the supraspinatus. And um, that tendon is right on the side of your shoulder here and is really involved in lifting your arm. Um, but not to go into too many specifics about that, but you know, I'm gonna talk about a little bit what I've done to treat it, and then we'll get everybody's take on this. Um, so, you know, I, whenever I have an injury, I think about what, what do we, uh, what kind of severity is it? Do we have a mild injury, a moderate, a severe? Because that definitely makes a difference. Um, in this case, for a rotator cuff tendon, severe would be a retraction of that tendon, and, and it would actually be uh, where it tore completely off. And, and those are, are extremely hard from a non-surgical standpoint to heal, and I would even say impossible to heal. Now, um, so, but the mild, moderate, and even moderate to severe injuries, I, I have fixed uh, uh, pretty significant ones, and that includes, um, let's say, uh, 
you know, we have what we call interstitial tears. I've had a, a complete interstitial tear and I've, I've been able to fix it. Um, whether we do multiple PRP injections or we do one uh, stem cell injection, um, it, you know, these, these things are very, very uh, treatable with, um, with regenerative and non-surgical orthopedic treatments. Uh, what about you, Dr. Morris? What have you used for the, the rotator cuff? So rotator cuff, very, very common injury. Whether you lifted something heavier than you thought, whether you slipped and tried to break your fall, um, whether it's chronic wear or tear from all of the above, um, they are very common. In, in traditional orthopedics, I used to see them several times a day, uh, every day. Um, and, and you have a couple different options. Physical therapy does help. Uh, sometimes it's it's not strong enough depending on the severity of the injury. Uh, you can put a, a little bit of cortisone in and around uh, where the tendon kind of kind of meets the the, the nerve, uh, and that kind of bathes it. But it doesn't really structurally change the the, the injury itself. It just kind of numbs it up until you can't feel it, and then eventually the medicine wears off, and you have the same pain again. Um, unfortunately, sometimes I've had to send several people to surgery. Uh, because either the, the tendon was torn completely off the bone or was at a point where uh, the patient uh, w was just sick of, of doing injections or, or other options and they said, let's just finally get it done with. Uh, I have done several regenerative medicine injections in there. PRP, uh, depending on the severity of tear, does work quite well. Um, and, and as the, depending on the severity of the tear, you will have to use higher and higher level products um, because uh, the, the PRPs will take you know, several injections, whereas a stem cell or an amniotic may only take a single injection. So we have definitely had very, very good success. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately, people learn to live with this pain, but they don't have to. They just need to know what treatment options there are and, and, and how, to, how to get it done. Perfect. How about you, Dr. K? So in my experience, <clears throat> I haven't done so much sports. I've worked a lot with agriculture workers where they do the exact same motion for eight hours a day for weeks at a time. And so they actually tend to have very severe injuries. And what I've, I've been doing a lot of prolotherapy on them. And what I see, especially with shoulder injuries, they're doing that constant overhead, throwing things into the truck motion. Is that they'll have a lot of capsular issues, supraspinatus issues. And um, the infraspinase and teres minors, all the muscles of the rotator cuff, they tend to be extremely strained. And so these are patients that have been coming to the clinic for months and years, getting constant steroid injections, and it's just never really helped them. So I started doing prolotherapy on these patients, and these patients stopped coming back because their pain started going away. Now, that's not to say every patient has been uh, treated with prolotherapy and been successful. Some of these patients do require the higher levels, the PRP, the uh, amniotic tissue, just because their injuries are that severe. But the regenerative injections are keeping these patients from coming back constantly. Yeah, in my about 10 years of doing this, you know, if we don't have imaging, then we don't quite know what the severity is. And so in that case, yeah, you know, we may, we're just kind of shotgunning, hey, Let's try Prolo, and if that doesn't work, let's try PRP, and then let's try stem cell. And that's if you want to do the regenerative approaches. Um, you know, the, the steroid approaches are out there, but you know, a lot of docs do them, and and so it's just a matter of what what route you really want to go. Um, all right, let's move into the labrum. Uh, labrum can be very very difficult for one to diagnose it. <laughs> it's very difficult. Imaging is not always perfect. And one thing we didn't really talk about on the rotator cuff, we, we do, uh, me, me and Dr. Morris look at it with ultrasound too, and, and we can get a much better idea of what that tendon looks like. 
with the labrum, we can see portions of the labrum with ultrasound, but we can't see it extremely well. And, and if you ever look at an anatomy book with a shoulder, the labrum goes around the whole shoulder joint like this. And so a lot of times MRIs are used, well, almost all the time we suspect a labrum tear, we use an MRI. And it's not as common anymore, but sometimes they, uh, the, uh, we still do a dye into the joint. There's been a lot of controversy now. The, the radio, a lot of radiologists think that the imaging is good enough. We don't need the dye anymore. But, so there's a little toss up on that. But even so, even with the dye, I mean, things aren't perfectly uh, diagnosed all the time. Surgeons, will, we, we've heard, and I'm sure Dr. Morse can talk more about this because he's worked directly with them. A lot of times when they go in there, they see much either bigger or sometimes even smaller tears and then we're on imaging. Um, what I can say from my experience is I have treated uh, labrum successfully. Um, the, the, I guess we always give the most we always give the most extreme case, and the extreme case that I had was uh, one that was uh, diagnosed with an 80% tear um, wrapped around only a small portion of that labrum left. Um, I tried uh, PRP on it. Um, I tried it six times PRP, not even a functional relief with PRP. But then I went to bone marrow, and I did that a couple times, and I did amniotic a couple times, and he actually complete resolution of pain. He went to act, back to activity, and this was a college student at the time. He wanted to be active, um, so he went back into full activity, even working out. And we did do an MRI, and it had closed to about 20%. So, giving an idea of what I've done for that, um, I, I did have in my other case, a big case with this was a, a college uh, tennis athlete um, at a Division One school, um, diagnosed with labrum tears. Went to three orthopedics, two said surgery, one said, well. If you have the surgery, you may not be able to lift your arm and play tennis again. And he still had uh, eligibility left. And so he found me. Um, we ended up doing um, the stem cell treatment. Um, uh, and then literally he was back to hitting balls within a month. And he was with physical therapy every single day. Now this is the difference between athletes who are trying to do something for competition versus um, versus people like me, for example, that, okay, I, I don't need my arm to be at that level of playing, but this guy did. And so um, was able to inject it. He went on and he actually finished his um, school career and he even played pro for a little while. Um, and, and he never had a problem again with the shoulder. Very cool. How about you? Yeah, labral tears are really rough injuries. I actually have one myself. Um, the, when you think, think of taking the ball out of the socket and you rotate it out and, and the socket essentially keeps that ball from popping out and that's what the labrum is. So it, I almost think of it as a clock where you have a 12 all the way around to 12 again. So depending on how much of a tear will depend on how aggressive you need to be. If it's a small tear between say 12 and one, it's a relatively small tear. But if it's a, a tear from 12 to six, that's essentially half of the shoulder joint. Maybe it happened during a shoulder dislocation or you, uh, you slipped and fell and you tried to break your fall and, and the ball you know, popped out of the socket and tore some of the labrum. Those are very, very difficult to treat. Um, the amount of, of wear and tear, whether you had a small fracture there, whether some of the ligaments within the capsule are weak, um, you can do therapy uh, and sometimes it's not enough. Uh, it also depends on the level of activity the person is trying to get back to, like you just said. Um, some of the stronger levels of regenerative medicine are more effective 
um, because of the cell lines, because of the growth factors. Uh, unfortunately, some people still end up going to uh, surgery because either the, either the injections weren't enough or they had maybe some rotator cuff retraction, uh, tendon retraction as well. And, and, and it's just the injections just unfortunately won't be enough. But uh, they are frustrating injuries. But if you catch it early enough and it's a, if it's a, a mild to moderate case, you can do uh, have some success with regenerative medicine. So thinking about a labrum, you kind of have to think of a labrum as being kind of the last line of defense of keeping your shoulder joint in place. You have all of your tendons of the muscles of your rotator cuff trying to keep your shoulder there. And then you have your labrum, which is kind of like glue wrapped around. It's cartilage, but it acts like a glue and it wraps around and tries to hold that uh, joint in the socket, right? So what's happening is that your tendons and ligaments have become overstretched and they're no longer doing their job. So we're, we have to treat this labrum and then we also have to treat all of the surrounding stuff around it. Because just because you fix the tear doesn't mean you fixed everything. So that's one of the approaches that we all do is think about why and where and what else needs to be done. And then we have to think about how to treat the labrum. And honestly, the biggest problem with the labrum is really poor blood supply. And so when you kind of get into the science of the different levels of injections, prolotherapy versus PRP versus the stem cells, they all have sort of different um, techniques of how they work. So that's why we sometimes have to go straight to stem cells, or maybe sometimes not, but it just depends on how bad the tear is. Yeah, and a key theme that you know kind of goes with everything we're doing is that uh, these injuries do create muscle compensation, and this is where physical therapy becomes very important. And so um, after these uh, injections are performed, we really need to get in a good program for that. Um, just kind of reiterating, for me, I've done a lot of labrums over 10 years, and I have only seen stem cell or more technically correct medicinal signaling cells work to actually heal these areas. Um, so... All right, let's move. Uh, we're going to move down to the knee. Um, another very common, very, very common injury and pain and source of pain is the patella tendon. And if anybody ever has that pain where they, they kind of point like right below my kneecap, well, it's almost always the patella tendon. And so patella tendonitis um, is, is a big thing. Obviously, you could have a tear there. It depends. You know, runners are, are notorious for having this. If you have a, a loose ACL, it puts a lot of extra pressure on the patella tendon, so it creates a lot of that extra pressure. But it's, it's easily diagnosed by palpation. Um, if we wanted, to, if we really thought it was torn, um, getting uh, better imaging with either MRI or ultrasound. Ultrasound's a little, uh, usually a little better. I've had quite a few that the MRI was read as normal, and my ultrasound actually picked up on a big tear. <clears throat> so. Both myself and Dr. Morris are trained very well in ultrasound. So looking at this, so even for the shoulder, I mean, it's very easy to do. So um, regenerative medicine for the patella tendon is excellent. I mean, it, it does extremely well. Um, Prolo, PRP, stem cell, I mean, all of it has worked for me. It really just depends on how, how bad is it and um, how quickly do you want to get back. Mm -hmm. um, because Prolo, PRP, bone marrow, um, usually adipose create a lot of inflammation, so you're looking at a pretty long recovery time period. Whereas if we do uh, an allograft, which is considered amniotic or umbilical or exosomes, well, usually you're not as sore and you can come back a lot quicker with that procedure. And I've had, you know, this is one where across the board, I, I even had a 70% tear in one. He, he went and decided to have surgery because regenerative medicine is typically not covered by insurance. 
it did not work for him and he came back and we still injected it and got him better. So this is one of those areas that uh, Regen works extremely well and from my experience. Yeah, uh, patellar tendonitis is a very frustrating injury. Um, typically on the bottom part of your kneecap, uh, your kneecap, uh, whenever we walk or run, essentially rides up and down in a groove, almost like playing tug of war. And, and unfortunately, where the tendon attaches to the kneecap on the bottom, it has a tendency to kind of peel off of that bone, uh, depending on uh, how it happened. If it's chronic wear and tear, maybe it peels off slowly. If it's an injury, maybe it, you, know, you, you think a, of a rope and it kind of partially uh, tears. Um, the problem is, it, it, even if you immobilize it with, with a brace for you know, a month, two months, that there may not be enough good blood flow in there to actually fix the tendon. So now you're having less pain, but once you start going back to activities, you're gonna have pain again. Uh, this can be a particularly frustrating injury because uh, if you go into a, a traditional orthopedic office, you're gonna say, all right, you have bracing, uh, you logically wouldn't put any, uh, any cortisone or any steroids in there because you're gonna increase the risk of tear, or you can do surgery, but uh, the surgeon's likely gonna say, unless it's 50% torn, they're probably not gonna debride it or do anything because they're gonna, uh, you know, they're, it's just not worth it to them. They may increase the damage to the injury. So that it kind of gives you this, this tricky part where you're miserable, you wanna get back to your normal activities or normal life, but the regular options aren't, aren't helpful. Uh, regenerative happens to be very effective for this. Um, it, very easy to see on ultrasound. Uh, the patient looks at it like, yeah, that looks normal and that looks abnormal and that's where my pain is. Um, and and you, you go in, you, you use the needle a little bit, you almost kind of uh, baste it like a turkey where you, you kind of irritate the tissue. That brings in good blood flow and then you drop those new cells right into the area and, and they start uh, working their magic and, and, and starting to kind of create new tissue and, and, and bring in blood flow, which eventually heals uh, the tissue to hopefully a significant extent. Uh, and more often than not, this works really well. And most people don't even need to do bracing after, you know, depending on how aggressive you were with, uh, with your injections and, 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 and your physical therapy afterwards. But a very common injury, very frustrating injury, and, and, and relatively uh, straightforward to treat uh, with Regen anyway. Um, so I'll speak a little about personal experience. I used to be a division one runner for a little bit and every single sprinter had this issue of their patella always hurt. And if you kind of think about the patella and its anatomy, it's a really hard ligament to relax. No matter what position your leg is in, there's always a little bit of strain. And so once you create a little bit of tear, it just keeps pulling and pulling on that strain. And so like Dr. Morse brought up, the surgeons don't really want to go into it until it's severely torn. but that tiny strain leads to a lot, a lot of pain. And so we've had some great success treating it with prolotherapy, with PRP, with the mesenchymal stem cells. And yeah, the, uh, the blood supply there is very, very poor as is in most tendons. And all of these injections, what they do is they do something called neovascular genesis, creation of new blood vessels to this area that increase the blood supply. So, as you can tell, and, uh, and here, I mean, this is uh, something that is very treatable with Regen. You know, there's a few things in the body, injuries, and uh, that, that will go over over time. And, and, and this is one of the ones that is highly receptive to this type of treatment. 
Okay, uh, we're going to move to another type of knee injury that is fairly common too, and that's meniscus tears. Now, meniscus tears, there are many different types. We're not going to go into every single type today. Um, the only one I, I'll really point out is there is one where it flips and you cannot move your knee, and that's the one type that we're not going to be able to help. Um, you, you have to get that cut out so you can bend your knee again. Uh, but every other type I have been able to treat and treat effectively. Um, again, it just depends on, do you want to go with the best stuff we got with the uh, stem cell, like Dr. K said a few minutes ago, mesenchymal stem cell, also known as medicinal signaling cells, or um, do you want to go to PRP or prolotherapy? Super the very minor injuries with, um, uh, with the meniscus, I've seen prolo work great for. Um, also PRP, as we get to that more moderate injury, we definitely need something more strong. Platelet-rich plasma works great. Usually, you know, for both these kind of treatments, we're looking at three to six treatments, to be honest with you. Um, whereas I've had meniscus tears after doing one bone marrow, one uh, amniotic, one adipose, I've seen them go away um, after one treatment. And people go to full activity too. But, um, you know, we also have to kind of be cognizant. Um, you know, obviously the meniscus is, is kind of your shock absorber inside your knee joint. You do have little ligaments on the outside of the joint called meniscofemoral ligaments. And if we find a lot of tenderness or with ultrasound, we look and that joint opens up quite a bit. Well, you know, I find a lot of times I'll get better long lasting results if I inject these ligaments and help to st stabilize the meniscofemoral ligaments. But how about your experience? Yeah, meniscal tears are classic, very, very common injuries. Uh, I used to be able to pretty much pick one out when someone was walking from the waiting room into the room. <laughs> it was that common. Um, usually, uh, traditionally, we think of this as a twisting injury. Um, think of pain getting in and out of your car, uh, squatting down to grab something low from a shelf, uh, up and down stairs, usually more up than down. Um, all of these create a, a sharp stabbing pain. Uh, and, and sometimes it's only a certain part of the knee. Maybe it's in the front, outer. Maybe it's in the in, in the rear, back, uh, on the inside. Uh, it can it technically happen. The the meniscus is two semicircular kind of moon shaped discs that essentially meet in the middle. Um, but they unfortunately have a really bad blood supply. Uh, only the outer edge is really good. So anything in the middle, if you tear it, it's going to have a tendency to not heal well. Uh, unfortunately, they 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 wither really easily. Uh, and if uh, you go the traditional route, you have uh, cortisone injection, which basically numbs up the joint, but it doesn't essentially change the structure of the meniscus or the quality of it. It may even decrease it a little bit. Therapy can help significantly, but uh, the, the structure, again, of the meniscus is, is, is still relatively the same. Then you have essentially two options for uh, surgery. You have a, a meniscectomy, which means they go in, the surgeon goes in and removes a small piece uh, of, of the of the actual meniscus, or you can actually re-sew uh, the meniscus back together. Uh, the meniscus uh, sewing is very rare because you essentially have to stay off your knee for, for several months for that to really be effective. Um, whereas the other one is very common, that's your knee scope, but the problem is uh, the area where you remove that shock absorber, you're gonna have significantly more arthritis uh, that you know much earlier in life than if you didn't do that uh, and that's what a lot of the pro athletes do because they want to get back on the field unfortunately their knees not going to like them and in, in five to ten years because you're removing the shocks for that knee and expecting them still to function despite not being there 
Uh, regen definitely does help. Uh, again, the only one that doesn't help uh, is really, really bad tear where that, that meniscus actually flaps over and it's on itself and person can't even put weight down in the leg. They're usually on crutches or in a wheelchair and those people unfortunately need surgery. So uh, going back to the agricultural workers I've worked with, they do a lot of twisting and lifting motions and I've treated probably two, three, four thousand of them at this point. And um, a lot of them have uh, knee issues and a lot of times it leads to meniscus. And that's actually something you can find with palpation. You just press on the sides of the knees. And the other thing you look for is, are their knees locking when they stand up? Are their knees locking when they walk? And like Dr. Moore said, that's something that's really easy to spot. You see it coming and you really start thinking about how to treat it. And like, like they said, there's a horrible blood supply to that area. And um, that's an area that will never really heal on its own. So fortunately, unfortunately, it is not, unless you're at the point where it's completely locking out your knee, it won't really degrade your ability to walk. It's just a very big pain generator. And so it can severely diminish your quality of life. Every time you take a step, you have that pain. And like Dr. Moore said, with the traditional approach, the surgeons uh, oftentimes just end up removing your meniscus. And then at that point, there's not a lot that can be done once that's gone. But with regenerative injections, really, your biggest risk is that in the rarest of cases, it doesn't work. There's no strong downside to doing regenerative injections. There's always a next step past it, but there's never, there's nothing past surgery once that meniscus is removed. All right. Well, let's move uh, into the ankle. So in the ankle, um, some of the common injuries we have, one, like almost everybody in, in sports, in the sports world, and a lot of people not, uh, are having a sprain. And usually you sprain the anterior talofibular ligament. So it's the common ligament that's on the front of your ankle toward the outside. And so once it gets sprained, you, you have some chronic instability, obviously you get pain, and so as long as it wasn't completely torn, all we do is we can put a needle in it, add prolotherapy, add the PRP, add the stem cell. I think at this point, at least from my perspective, you kind of see a pattern. I mean, for me, this, that, that's my primary focus and we'll talk about that in another video one day. But, um, you know, we put it in and we're just trying to regenerate tissue. Ligaments and tendons, they both have very bad blood supply. And so if we can inject and the needle creates some, some microtrauma and then we put good stuff in like, uh, like the prolo at the very basic level or even better, the platelets with their growth factors or the bone marrow or the adipose, amniotic umbilical, Wharton's jelly, exosomes. And that way we get a mixture of cells, growth factors, and to get really technical, microRNA, that'll be down the road. Everybody be hearing about that. But you know, this is the stuff of the future and, and to help really regrow that. So it's a very common injury. Um, and I'll, I'll let Dr. Morris kind of go into some of the more traditional approaches and conservative approaches. But I, this is one I've treated ever since I started. Even in, you know, I started my own practice 10 years ago, but 15 years ago in, in uh, school and residency, I was injecting these. Yeah, uh, so the ankle sprain is the most common injury in all of orthopedics without question. Um, the issue with the ankle uh, is that uh, the lateral ankle, the outside of the ankle ligaments are much weaker than the inside. That's why we really never think of injuring our ankle on the inside because the deltoid ligament is really strong. Uh, the problem is whenever we roll our ankle, we, we trip it and it accidentally rolls out uh, or you know, we step off a curb and didn't see it, that the weakest link, whatever it is, usually the ATFL, that's what tears. 
The problem is it, the body doesn't have the ability to heal it to the same strength it was before the injury. So now you have scar tissue which isn't as strong and isn't as flexible, so it's prone to re-injury. Uh, traditionally, you can work the therapy, you can wear bracing, but it, it just never feels the same. There's that chronic instability where I just don't feel like I have control over that ankle as much as I want to. Uh, and this is, you know, for women, it can be very frustrating. They don't want to wear high heels. They don't want to wear anything that's elevated because they feel like their ankle is going to give out. Uh, and, and, and some uh, other people, they, they're concerned about uh, wearing certain types of shoes that are, are too close to the ankle because of that pressure gets very uncomfortable. So it, it gets challenging because it literally restricts what you wear, what you can't wear, uh, and, and even whether or not you're going to take stairs or if you're going to go, uh, you know, you know, on, on a trail or something because they're worried about the instability and whether or not that ankle's actually going to hold up. Uh, and then if it doesn't, you know, how do they get back home and, and how do they drive and so on and so forth. So very frustrating, normal injury that doesn't have to be miserable for you as long as you know how to properly treat it. So um, the ankle joint, if you kind of think about it, there's the main ligaments like the ATFL, but there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 different ligaments in your ankle that are all working together to keep your ankle going. And what happens is that as you t injure one, you, um, you start to put more and more pressure on the rest of them so they have to try and compensate. And we all have that friend, or maybe you are that friend that's rolled their ankle like 10 times and just because it keeps happening to them, sometimes they step off a curb and their ankle just gives out. It's because once that scar tissue starts to develop in those main ligaments, scar tissue kind of sucks. It doesn't stretch, it doesn't bend, and once you tear it, it's kind of like paper. It tends to just keep tearing, and it'll never heal. So once, once you have that first injury, you're just gonna keep going and going, creating more and more damage as you go. And really, the best approach is to just do the regenerative injections, heal that scar tissue, remove all the chronic inflammation you have in there, and so that allow your ankle to restabilize. All right, that kind of leads us as he's talking about compensation patterns and all this. I mean, um, a lot of times somebody sprains their ankle when they're young, and then as they get older, they get into two types of injuries. Uh, from my, my perspective, I think the compensation really affects these Achilles tendon injuries and plantar fasciitis um, because we start to put abnormal pressure on our foot. Um, they can, you know, let's start with Achilles. Uh, Achilles, it could be a calf injury too, it could create tightness, and, and, and that carries down into the Achilles. It could be the plantar fascia um, uh, that, that we're putting an abnormal weight on our foot because of an old sprain or, um, or, or maybe some kind of crush injury or, or just running too much and creating a lot of tightness. Now, doing the uh, osteopathic manipulation like uh, myself and Dr. K do, um, we do find the talus locks up in the ankle. So if this is the bottom of your foot, this is your, this is your calcaneus, you have a talus bone and it, it moves around. And so if this bone gets twisted or locked in a certain direction, it can put abnormal pressure on the Achilles and on the plantar fascia. And then long-term, those tendons are starting to develop micro tears and those micro tears turn into our bigger type injuries. Obviously, like everything else we're talking about today, we wanna to try to catch these things early on. So uh, Achilles tendon, you, you know, we never wanna to get to the point where we actually snap it um, it's never never a good idea. Plantar fascia usually just gives you pain just all the freaking time. And you're like, okay, I, I can't handle this anymore. I need to do something with it. But um, going into uh, regen, what I primarily do for these things, 
Um, if it's very mild, Prolo works well. Usually I need to do a PRP on it in order to get effective results. Saying that the uh, one of the original um, research studies for PRP was for the plantar fascia. And, and so it, it has extensive research on it and, and has done extremely well. And subsequently, there's been a lot of research on Achilles tendons too. So they've done really well. And of course, once we get into the, you kind of hear this hierarchy over and over, prolo, PRP, stem cell, but we can always get into the stem cell options and, and uh, they work extremely effective as well. Yeah, the, um, whenever I would see a patient hobble into the clinic, um, uh, there was a couple different options. They could have broken a bone, which is possible. Not always, but usually. So usually maybe they broke one of their toes or something like that, so they're hobbling in. Um, but if not, it was either plantar fascia or Achilles tendon. Those are the other two. Uh, Achilles tendon, very common injury on the back of the heel. Uh, there is a, a small section about two thumb widths above where it inserts on the heel where it, 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 the, the blood supply just doesn't exist. They have good blood supply coming up and then it stops and then it continues going up towards the calf. So that's traditionally where people will have these chronic micro tears where the, think of it as a piece of rope, it starts to fray and fray and fray and eventually it snaps. Uh, it's constantly under tension because it's connecting the calf to the heel um, and, and if it can't handle that tension, whatever the weakest part is, that's where it tears. Uh, very common in basketball. And then usually uh, the 40 to 60 age range bracket is the second uh, most common uh, age range. But uh, very, very frustrating injury. A lot of the times in traditional ortho, you can do a lot of physical therapy. Sometimes they'll immobilize it in a boot for a couple weeks. Um, and then either if you want to debride it, uh, with surgery or they can do a repair slash um, uh, there's a couple different techniques that they do uh, that's a, a relatively common option not always effective uh, but it work and sometimes it works uh, regenerative works really well for for um, for uh, Achilles uh, particularly because you're you're essentially driving in new blood flow to an area that doesn't have good blood flow and you just need that tendon to be strong and, and versatile. You don't need it to be that perfect piece of rope like when you were 15. You just need it to be stronger and, and to, to decrease the pain and, and basically allow you to do what you want to do. Um, as far as plantar fascia, plantar fascia I've seen enough to, and, and the description is always very similar. It feels like people are, they describe it as uh, walking on needles or walking on nails or glass or something like that. They usually in the morning, the first couple steps of the morning, as their day goes on, it gets better, but never really goes away. They go to bed at night and the vicious cycle repeats and they go over and over and over again. Some people will, will take a frozen water bottle uh, and roll their foot on it. They have different types of stock, uh, socks or Strasburg stock is a, is a common one. They keep your, your toe really tight so that it, it, it allows the, it puts pressure on the plantar fascia so when you take it off in the morning, the fascia is ready to go. Unfortunately, you have to wear that every day and sometimes it doesn't work. Um, this is a very painful injury, uh, a very painful injection, but it works and it works really well. Uh, the surgery on this is probably even worse. Uh, this is an area that has a lot of nerves and doesn't have a lot of fat, so it's a bad combination. Um, but 
Uh, you don't have to live in misery, and uh, there are injections that work, um, and you don't have to worry about uh, the pain anymore once you, once you get it done. Um, so Achilles injuries and plantar fasciitis, they're, they're oftentimes seen in athletes, but you also have to think about your average person who doesn't really play any sports. They just work an average office job. They sit most of the time, and yet they still have these injuries. And in my opinion, that a big part of that is the shoes we wear and the posture they put us in. Our, our bodies were not designed for heel strike walking, which is where your heel hits first. We're actually supposed to walk toe first. If you ever look at the shoes a professional sprinter wears called spikes, these are shoes that are designed only the balls of your feet hit the ground and your heel never ever touches the ground. And that's actually the posture we should be walking in. And if you look at Neanderthal cavemen from thousands of years ago, that's how they walked. So I think that a big part of that is the shoes we wear. And um, so once you get that injury going, start to create that chronic inflammation, it just leads to more and more pain. All right, well, today I really just wanted to give a rough idea, a couple injuries in the shoulder, the knee, the ankle, and also to give an idea of some different perspectives. You know, even though physicians all train somewhat similar, I mean, we all have a different take on things, and, it, and it's good, it's healthy. None of us are going to fix something 100%, you know, whether it be us, whether it be surgeons, whether it be therapists, I mean, nobody. But it's good to get different information and, and to have a team and to have different minds around us. Um, just as a take-home point, you know, with uh, non-surgical orthopedics, um, regenerative injections, the sooner you come in, the better. So a lot of times an injury hurts you very little bit and it goes away, it's a good time to come in because that means it's on a scale of one out of 10. Um, but as people wait, and truth is everybody does, yeah, it waits to, to get to a five out of 10, six out of 10, and it's harder, it's harder for us to fix. And, but if we fix something um, initially, right when it happens, usually we can get rid of it and it doesn't come back. But um, thanks for joining us today and we'll see you next time.